I love that job. Adam Bradley, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You are the Director of Technology at Builder.io. Why don't you give us a little intro of who you are and what you do? Yeah, so Director of Technology at Builder.io. Previously, I was with the Ionic framework. I helped create that. While I was at Ionic, I also created Stencil.js, which is what powers Ionic and all the components. Since then, I'm now working with uh, Mishko at Builder.io, working on Quick, which is a next-generation framework for resumability and things like that. So I think uh, Mishko has already talked about that in a previous episode quite a bit. So I would just defer to his knowledge uh, or that episode for more information on that. And then I'm also working on Partytown for Builder. And so Python is a way to offload third-party scripts onto a web worker. That's what I've been working on. Awesome. Yeah, we already got the quick pitch from Mishko, so we don't need to talk about that too much. I would be curious, I think, to get later on in the episode your definition of resumability, because it's a difficult term, and you guys seem to have kind of invented it. So I think uh, a couple different definitions will probably be useful. But before we get into all that and Party Town, I'd be curious, do you miss mobile? Do I miss mobile? I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I don't think that there's really much of a difference. And I say like my day-to-day -day development, it needs to perform on a low-end device. So it was easier for that stuff to stick out on, in mobile for sure. And so like my work with Stencil and Ionic was definitely focused on like, you know, low-end Android phones. How can we make this still perform fast? And what I'm doing today is, is somewhat the same, trying to make stuff run fast on slow devices. You know, that's the best way to test it. So my personal day-to-day, -day, I would say it's largely the same of, you know, studying flame graphs and, and performance tooling and seeing how fast things are performing. So I would say it's about the same. Mobile website development, web app development for, you know, developers is, is certainly a, a wide spectrum of exactly what they're working on. I guess to answer your question, I do miss mobile a little bit of building the mobile app. But I also, I guess I enjoy more of the uh, performance side of things and trying to eke out more performance. Yeah, I find it interesting how the two, they're separate worlds, but they influence each other quite frequently. You see this with like GraphQL, like GraphQL was invented really for mobile, but the vast majority of people doing GraphQL right now are doing it for web, at least it seems like from my vantage. So it's always kind of cool to see people who've worked in both of those worlds. I still have not really touched the, the mobile world at all, but one day. And I also should say that I wasn't building native mobile apps. So I was still doing, you know, pure web development, CSS, HTML, JavaScript. So that's also why it's like, it's not really too big of an adjustment for me. It's, I've still been web 100% of the time. I built mobile apps before and I very much jumped from uh, Cordova to React Native and cursed Cordova to the point that I never looked at Ionic. So maybe it's grew a lot since my cursed days of Phone Gap and Cordova. Yes. And actually, while we're on the subject, I would encourage you to test out Capacitor, which is also something that I helped start at Ionic and is widely used now. It's taken over Cordova, but it's kind of the next generation Cordova because Cordova was built 2009. So I had very 2009 way of, of doing JavaScript and modules and, you know, trying to, uh, was it, replace the what was, the, what was the phrase that they had? But anyways, they would add all the APIs on the Navigator and things like that. Capacitor is kind of the next generation of just using ES modules, TypeScript, and being able to bridge the gap between native APIs and the web. So for those of you who had issues with Cordova, I definitely encourage you to take a look at Capacitor. This is an interesting subject. I can just say one more thing. Cordova was one of my modules at university. It was called Mobile App Design. They had a art lecturer teaching it because he knew how to make websites and put websites on phones. And I was like, this makes no sense. Why don't you use a proper system? 
abstracted something like React Native. I literally fought with the lecturer. I was like, if you want to build a mobile app, build it properly. Or if you're going to go halfway house, use React Native. I was naive at the time and forced my way in to the point where they allowed to use other frameworks. And I was the only one that chose React Native. And I still to this day think that mobile app I made was pretty good compared to most of the uh, uni apps at the time. Yes, this could easily be a multiple month long discussion of which framework to use for building a mobile application. For sure. And it's still not over. I would say it's still even in its infancy. Let's get into Party Town. So Party Town is probably one of my favoritely named projects of all time. And I can give a really short little pitch for it because I've heard you give a couple podcast interviews about it. When you have a website, you have your website, then you have all the other stuff like marketing scripts and analytics and things that are going on that involve third-party code or widgets or things that me and Chris talked about on episode with the two of us. When you have all of that, it slows your website way down. And so Party Town is the idea of taking all of that, taking that party and moving it somewhere else and moving it off of the main thread because you're using a PWA, I believe. So we can you talk a little bit about what is Party Town, how does it work, and what are the benefits that come along with it? Yeah, really the, the whole idea behind Python is we want to dedicate the main thread, so the main UI thread to your code, to whatever application JavaScript you're running. React, Angular, Vue, it really doesn't matter, no JavaScript at all. We want to free up that main thread resources to just your code. And then all of the other code, basically third-party scripts, so things like Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics, ads, stuff that will slow down your site, offload that off into a web worker and let it all run there so it's not blocking the main thread at all. The idea of this is not to put your application, your main code, into a web worker, but rather just basically anything that can run a little bit slower Anything that can be asynchronous, basically in a background thread, uh, background task is ideal for Python. Doing so, we've actually seen that it drastically improves performance. I think, you know, most developers have been there where they've spent a lot, a lot of time getting that site to run fast and scoring 100 out of 100 in Lighthouse and pretty happy with it, running to production and all of a sudden all the analytics kick in and it kills that performance. And then the very same people that tell you to speed up the website are the ones who also added all the scripts. <laughs> kind of a frustrating uh, a position that developers often put in is that, well, we can't really do anything about these scripts. So, you know, we need them for business reasons. I can't say no to adding Google Analytics. You know, that's kind of an organization decision. It's out of the developer's hands of what can and cannot be ran on your website. And also to be fair, that's perfectly fine. A lot of these scripts are needed for business reasons. So that's why it's kind of restricted that like, well, we have to run these. But when you have to run them, you can't improve them. You can't make them better. You can't do something different with them. They just basically eat up all the resources. And that's kind of where, where Python comes in. It's just basically, all right, our hands are tied. You know, we've done everything we can to make our JavaScript as fast as possible. And now when we add in this one megabyte, you know, five megabytes of someone else's scripts, it just destroys performance and there's nothing we can do about it. And so that's really the source of it. That's where it's uh, why Python was created. And, and it all comes from like working on Quick, which again, you know, what Mishko and I and Manu are working on for Builder is that we can make your website as fast as possible. You know, basically HTML, CSS, you can't get faster than that, but you're still going to add all these scripts to it. You still need to add all these three-party scripts and they're still going to slow down your site and you're back to kind of where you started from. And so that's the whole idea behind it. It's like, how can we offload this to somewhere else to, to keep that site fast? Party Town is a really interesting thing. One of the biggest places that Party Town could be a big benefit for is WordPress. 
there was a PR, I don't know if it got merged, to put Party Town into WordPress's enhancement plugin. Was there? I didn't see that. Yeah, I got it right here. I'll drop it in the chat and put it in the show notes for anyone who wants to check that out. That would be awesome. I mean, like, on purpose, we did not make it like a framework specific, you know, it needs to have a Webpack loader, needs to use React, something or another, right? It's entirely just basically... Somehow you need to make a script element and that, however that script element is, is added, you could also add this type attribute to it. Whether it's WordPress, Drupal, React, Angular, it really doesn't matter, but any of these things can make elements. And so however you were making your script elements before, you can continue to do it the same way, but then add in this uh, certain attribute to change it, to move it to a different thread. Yeah. And literally, if it got merged into something like WordPress, by default, it would speed up like 70% of the internet. Yeah, that's no joke. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but there's other frameworks that have been experimenting with Party Town as well. And Next.js is one of them, isn't it? Yes, Next.js is, has had it. Last I knew it's still in Canary. I don't know where it is. It, they have it under... So they have their own script component where you can decide how to load that script. And one of the options is worker strategy, which is based on Party Town. That's been getting uh, some good success. And then uh, Gatsby just added roughly the same thing. They also have a script element or script component. I forget the name. Worker implementation, I think is what it is. So same idea. But again, that's what I'm happy about. Like with how to enable Python isn't required for a certain framework. So therefore any framework can enable it. And I know ViewPress has a good plugin. There's quite a few, you know, on our, on our Python website, we've got quite a few integrations. I think Astro has already made one. I do want to ask one question. And if you don't know this stuff, it gets pretty complicated really fast. How does things like Google Tag Manager work with Python? Because Google Tag Manager downloads and installs its own scripts based upon the scripts you put into its website. So how does that work with Python? Because we run that script inside of the web worker, in the web worker, we basically have to proxy the DOM proxy window and the document because they actually don't exist, right? They don't exist whatsoever inside of a web worker. And we, if you try to document that title, the web worker's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, crash. And so that's really the problem is that all of these scripts, the entire world, you know, last, you know, three decades of scripts are written again, window and document. So you can't just throw something into a different environment that doesn't recognize this. And so that's where Python comes in is that it proxies all of these different uh, global APIs. And so when they're called, you know, this global is called, the web worker's like, no idea what you're talking about, but I do have a proxy for this. So let's forward this over to the main thread, get the real answer and come back to the web worker with the answer of you know what document that title means. We're basically, we're not re-implementing all of the DOM. So something like JS DOM for Node.js, right? If we were to do that in the web worker, that's at least two megabytes of JavaScript, which would be counterintuitive of trying to speed up the site. And so instead, basically, Python is a huge fancy proxy of like, I don't recognize this global. Let's ship it over to the main thread. Maybe they know what to do with it you know, and then get the response to that. If we run all of Google Analytics inside of there, it's going to, you know, add new scripts to the DOM. And so just like what have normally happened is going to happen inside of the uh, web worker too. But with the caveat that like, oh, you're adding a script. I know what you're about to do with this. And so let's just stay inside the web worker and add that script inside the web worker too. But if you were to add like document.createElement and add a div or a button, that's going to get added just how it normally would have. But if you add a script, it's just like, no, you're inside the web worker. You're going to keep you inside the web worker. When it comes to marketing scripts, I still believe it's like the black magic of the internet. Every company seems to make one. Is it open source? Is it closed sourced? Is it versioned? Is it not versioned? And the biggest thing is when you have to bring in things like GDPR and having a banner block scripts from loading depending on their preferences like nobody has this fully figured out and it's still a pain till today 
if you know one of these like kind of cookie policy banner things that have it sorted out, I would love to know. That is the cookie banners. As I know, that's been a request to make sure that they work because I, I think we get asked a lot of like, does it work? And it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, a lot of code out there in the world. Party Town's open source MIT license project. The more help we can get of like testing this and like finding something of like, why didn't that script work? Writing a minimal test case to help out with like, if we fix this one little thing, then the script would work. Because again, we're not like trying to reinvent the DOM. We just want to make sure that all of what would have happened in the DOM gets replayed correctly with the proxy. So there's a few little things that sometimes they don't work and that's where we need help. So, you know, I get asked that a lot. I'd be like, well, does this script work in it? It's like, I don't know. Find out. Let me know and let's find out why it doesn't work in there. And so that's where I usually ask the community to help out with that. Would you say that Party Town as a project is very feature complete at this point is there a massive roadmap of things you want to add or is it just that very poignant move things to the pwa and that's it i would say i mean there is no big roadmap for the most part other than just work <laughs> if a script just works inside of the main thread it should just work inside of pirate town too so that's why i was still label it as beta and would encourage someone you know i wouldn't encourage amazon to just flip the switch and all their analytics run through Python tonight. Because you can opt in, it's definitely a, you know, slowly migrate per script and then definitely stay in contact with the analytics team that's that helping out with your site so that you can make sure that like you know, no data loss is happening. Again, that's kind of why I'm still keeping it at beta is like there could be data loss if something isn't working correctly. And you and if you went a month without knowing that, yeah, I'm sure your business would be quite upset of not having any uh, analytics for a while. So, so again, yeah, beta, if you find an issue, please help, you know, narrow it down why and we'll get that fixed and, and published again. Awesome. What's uh, Party Town's opinion of shipping no JavaScript to the browser? Party Town's opinion is like, absolutely, don't ship any JavaScript at all if you don't have to. And that's kind of also where Python fits in nicely. It's like in the perfect world on your personal blog site, you know, it's easy to say, well, I got no JavaScript on here. It's as fast as it could ever be. But a realistic organization, I think the median of the internet as of like HTTP archive is that there's 10 third-party scripts on the average site. And the 90th percentile has got 34 30-party scripts on their site. And so even if you build a site with no JavaScript, more than likely you're going to add a lot of JavaScript. Regardless, again, that's kind of where Python came about is like, well, it's going to happen. So ideally, no JavaScript, but realistically, it's going to be there. I'd like to talk a little bit about how does Partytown fit into this larger suite of tools that Builder is working on and what are some of those other projects that you're working on? You guys already talked with Mishko and Quick. So it's server-side render first. And so the framework is first deciding to let's build this application, build the HTML, you know, just like React rendered a string, kind of the same concept there. And then that HTML is passed down to the server. And then traditionally, any basically all the traditional frameworks at this point, they will then replay and catch back up to what just happened on the server. That process is called hydration. Regardless of what you do, you can have a fast React site. It needs to catch back up to what it already did before. It needs to scan through all those nodes, hydrate basically to what it used to be. And so that work is a huge hit in performance. And like basically, if you go to any site that's doing hydration, if you look at that flame chart of that first uh, second, you're going to see a huge spike. And that's the part that really is hurting a lot of the page scores is because of that. So what's different with Quick is that we're able to basically skip that entire hydration process. We can go straight to HTML, keep it at HTML, and the state is serialized inside of the DOM so that when you need to use something, it's then already there. And that's kind of the high level difference is that we call it resumability because the server you know, pauses the state, 
pauses it inside of the HTML, shifts to HTML. And then when you want to pick back up is when it continues rather than like, oh, let's download all the JavaScript. Let's rerun the, the same thing that just ran inside of the server and let's continue or let's replay what has already happened on the server and let's pick up from there. And that's that hydration process is really what a performance killer is. We've been working on Quick as this project to avoid that whole process and go as fast as possible, avoid as much JavaScript as possible. Yeah, it's been working great. And, and kind of the next project, uh, the Quick itself is, is running well. And what I'm working on currently is Quick City, which is what we're labeling the meta framework. So uh, basically the next JS to React or the Gatsby to React or Svelte Kit to Svelte. Quick City is too quick. That's actually been a lot of fun project where it's being able to integrate the server side of stuff pretty tight with Quick, and it's working really, really well because they already kind of is a SSR first uh, framework. And so being able to provide that experience out of the box has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to get into Quick City. That's also the first time I've heard Quick pitched as predominantly like an SSR kind of framework. And I think that is a little easier for people to latch onto and wrap their mind around than trying to like present them with this new term that you have to like define to yes. them. And so I think resumability is great. And I look forward to it becoming kind of a more well-known topic in web dev. But I think leading with this is an SSR framework that does SSR a little differently might make a little more sense to people. That's just kind of like my advice to you. But something that I've heard people mention is they're like, we have so many frameworks, we have so many meta frameworks, quick sounds cool, quick sounds revolutionary, but why do we need to build a meta framework on quick instead of maybe taking some of our other meta frameworks and swapping out the front end for quick? So would that be possible? Or is quick just so new that you have to build a new framework also? Well, what's actually kind of cool about Quick City is I was just looking yesterday, the runtime of it is about four kilobytes unminified. So there really isn't much to Quick City at all to begin with. A majority of it is just leveraging what Quick provides. So if we were to somehow use Remix or SvelteKit or any one of them where there's kind of the, the core concept of how to build routes, but use some other framework, that would be quite difficult to pull it off because it's still kind of having to use the, the core concept of hydration and having to rerun all of this JavaScript to execute. Whereas Quick City's JavaScript really doesn't, again, four kilobytes unminified really. And, and that's even if you were to download some of the parts of it. So more than likely, you're not going to get any parts of the runtime of Quick City. I think the core concepts are absolutely inspired from, you know, SvelteKit, Remix, Next.js. Next.js is a new proposal for how they're going to do layouts and pages. I kind of feel like it's taking a lot of the good ideas from, from a lot of the existing popular meta frameworks, but it's able to avoid or sidestep a lot of the traditional issues that they have to handle, even basically having to run JavaScript at all, whereas we don't have an entry script. That's one thing that's kind of weird with, you know, like we use Vite for our development. And Vite has one entry script to start with. Right? Inside your index.html, you have like the entry source file. That's the one thing that doesn't fit well with how Vite and Quick City works is like, well, there's actually not an entry script. So we, we still make it work. Vite works amazing with Quick. You know, it's, it's actually uh, works very, very well. But that's the one weird thing is like, it's conceptually quite different. It's like, there is no one entry. There's, you know, could be potentially hundreds, thousands of entries, but that's something that Quick's optimizer handles and is able to, you know, not have to require any of that JavaScript. When it comes to Quick City, you mentioned things like Next.js being an inspiration. Would it be possible in the future to migrate from, say, Next.js and React over to Quick and Quick City? Absolutely hope so. It uses a lot of the same concepts with like the routes directory and the file naming conventions. 
and even the components. So if you start using some quick components, you see that there it's really just a React component. You know, it's really just JSX. The only difference is that there is a wrapper to that JSX, you know, called component. So for the most part, I would like to think that migrating should be quite easy. But you know, the larger the site, the, the more issues you might have. Then the other project we have is called Quick React, which has a Quickify function where basically you could import any React component and it quickifies it into uh, building a component that would render, you might never download its JavaScript. So it's kind of able to use Quick, uses Quick to kind of provide an Astro type of concept where, you know, Astro will, you know, only download stuff, their little islands as you see them or they're, as they are visible, things like that. So our Quick React, uh, Quickify function kind of does the same concept. And so that idea would be that there is no UI library for Quick yet, but there is millions of them for React. And so you can start using them now. Or even like if you have a React app, you can slowly start migrating one component at a time. I'm very excited about the future of Quick. I have a project that I would love to convert from Next.js over to it. And Anthony laughs because that seems to be my job. It's converting one thing to the other, but it feels like the ultimate destination Quick does because we've seen a lot of fire going around the internet right now about here's one hack you can do that you'll get 100% lighthouse scores. And it's like, is that really doing anything? Or is that just pushing the can down the road? I think it's really good to see all of these different frameworks compete and show new techniques of raising the bar. And yeah, I'm just waiting for the day I can use XDate and the TAN stack on Quick. And I'll be quickly over there is all I can say. Nice. Well done. Yeah, I would definitely have a huge shout out to Salad.js and, and Ryan. He's been a good friend, been helping us out a lot with Quick and how things work and huge inspiration to everything that he's done with Salad and like the performance that he's added with Salad. And he's been a lot of fun to work with. You know, when you say how the frameworks are kind of improving each other, I'd say a huge shout out to him and what he's been able to do with all the different frameworks and, you know, to judge them all. Yeah, Ryan's the one who actually put us in touch with Mishko in the first place oh, nice. to get the first quick interview going. So yeah, Ryan is a big uh, friend of the show for sure. Great. It is literally, it's that thing of like, when we look at the market share of React, there's enough market share to go around by just looking at React alone. I'm doing a talk in the next week about what is the one true framework. And the answer is that isn't one. You should look at what your project needs and pick the framework from there, not just go Next.js is perfect for a marketing website. Next.js is perfect for a dashboard. You could use something like Astro, something so much smaller. So you're arguing against Chris from three years ago? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you could say uh, I've uh, matured as a person and my tech preferences are, I still like the bleeding edge, but less React now. Yeah, I'd like to compare it to like automobiles. You know, automobiles have been around for over 100 years. We've had plenty of time to refine it and make the perfect one, but there's still, what, 20, 30 different car companies, and each one of them makes trucks and big trucks, small trucks, race cars. You know, there is no one perfect automobile that can solve all problems. Some need to be a dump truck, some need to be a race car, right? You kind of have to pick the right one for whatever your use case is. What currently is the time schedule for Quick City? It's already launched in like an alpha state by the looks of it. But when do you hope that you could confidently say to somebody, you can use this in a production app? So right now the doc site is built on an older version of Quick City. And after this call, I'm going to go back to getting the, the doc site updated to the latest version of Quick City. Once that's smoothened out, we're hoping to then call it beta. So basically uh, get more people using it. What is fun is that we've got quite a few people on Discord, quite a few people that are helping out with it now. 
we're getting plenty of feedback. We've, so we're adjusting things. So we don't want to quite open the floodgates of having too many people using it with issues, you know, and, and having a fire hose of things to try to handle. So right now we have a pretty good uh, set of, you know, features we're trying to add. Once we go into beta, which I hate to give a timeline, but, you know, in the next week, next few weeks or so, get that released, then we'll definitely have an announcement and get more people using it on there. Yeah, you should really delay that uh, beta status for bun support. It's the hot thing of the moment, and it's really would be worth adding. I haven't used it. It looks really, really cool. But the only reason I, I think it looks cool is because I saw that it's super fast, but then it's not fast for async. So I don't know what to think. I've not used it as well, but it very much just seemed like everyone's like, this is the future. And it's like, how? <laughs> We're still waiting to see. Because Dino is the alternative right now. Yep. Dino, huge fan of, of Dino. We've made sure that Quick is working inside of uh, Dino for both building and on the edge and things like that. So that's what's kind of cool about Quick and the output that it creates is like we made a, a lot of effort to make sure we're not using Node APIs. Like it's just building JavaScript. JavaScript should be able to run in the edge inside of Dino, inside of Bun. It really doesn't matter. And so that's been fun in that making sure that, you know, the whole build process and the whole output is just JavaScript. I'd like to think that it would work, just work on, on Bun, but haven't personally tried it. Really interesting here. And how does deployment look like for Quick and Quick City? Because I'm not sure we ever spoke about that one. The deployment? Well, it uses Vite. So, you know, the other thing that, you know, we did a big effort in is making sure that we didn't create another CLI, another special way of building new plugin system, a new way to do styles and pre-processing CSS. So basically like Vite does an amazing job at that. And so we just use that. However, you would deploy your traditional Vite app you would just add the Quick City uh, plugin and the Quick plugin, and then it's going to output to whatever directory you output it to, and you deploy that. And then Quick City itself has, you know, middleware for Cloudflare, Pages, Netlify, and we're still adding in uh, Vercel and things like that. But those ones are all built too. So like the doc site is using Cloudflare at the moment. It builds the the whole middleware for Cloudflare Pages, and we just deploy that. Pretty simple actually. Brittany Postma has a blog post on the Netlify blog for deploying a quick app, not quick city, I think just quick. And then Cloudflare Pages has a dedicated deploy a quick site link. So those are probably the two best resources right now for anyone who wants to play around with this. So it does deploy just like a regular node map framework. What I really want to see is that you're targeting, you know, Dino, Node, Cloudflare workers, serverless, to find out which is truly the best option in this current moment, because it's very much, I would say it's up in the air, like, will Dino actually bring us all this performance we're looking for? Will Cloudflare workers beat Dino? Like, these are still answers. And it's like, the biggest thing that I always think of, like, what's the point of all this? Is like, how much faster is it going to get? And I guess that's the only thing we all really care about, right? Like, we'll code it in the most hardest way possible if it truly is faster. Yeah, and that's what's fun about kind of this next generation of, you know, Edge and SSR and, you know, basically people like the DX of React. But then there's issues with that in the SSR and like, especially the personalization side of things. So it's imagine that you're a e-commerce site and, you know, for a certain group of people, you want to show a certain t-shirt, another group, you want to show a certain color or something like that. So being able to personalize that on the Edge and render that extremely fast is kind of the next big challenge right now. And I think everyone's doing a good job of it. I think we're set up to do a great job of that. And that's kind of what we're aiming at is like we want to be able to do all this personalization on the edge and render as fast as possible, respond as fast as possible. And that's kind of what we're working for right now with Quick. I guess one of my final questions about Quick and Quick City is how would you feel if Next.js ripped off every feature shamelessly? <laughs> good luck. To be fair, like their whole 
you know, how they're doing routes and layouts and nested layouts and things like that. We took a lot of inspiration from that, you know, and, and their most recent RFP of how they're doing layouts, they took a lot of inspiration from SvelteKit and Remix has taken a lot from, you know, so like it's a little bit of, of everyone. And then all of them took it a lot from, you know, Jekyll and all of them took it from PHP. I've heard Cold Fusion is the only framework that has ever mattered. They're all just reinventing Cold Fusion, according to Rob Cameron. Everything that we've used in computer science was invented in the 70s. You know, we're just rediscovering it over and over again. No, as far as Next.js goes, I think Next.js versus Quick City, if you were to compare like the DX of the two, it'd be a tough sell of just like, well, this one's so much better than this one, you know, just the DX. When you compare React to Quick, that's where the actual, the differences are made. Whereas Next.js is extremely tied to React. They couldn't just switch out how hydration works and how React Lazy works and suspense and all that stuff. That's, that's just can't be done simply. And so to basically try to take the features of Quick, you'd have to use Quick or you'd have to completely refactor React. And at that point, it wouldn't be React anymore. It'd be an entirely different framework working entirely different and you might as well just call it quick. So as far as the meta framework goes, I think they're very, all of them are kind of one for one right now. You know, Remix is just, you know, a slightly nicer DX of Next.js. And that's my opinion. You know, you know, they're all pretty much the same DX for the most part. It's the underlying opinion frameworks is really what we're needing to compare. And you can see that, you know, right in the startup of like which one's using JavaScript, which one's isn't. Do you think there'll ever be a world where Quick is on something aside from JSX? Um, yeah. So the render itself, the render of Quick is just a traditional VDOM. You know, there's plenty of VDOM renders out there that are plenty fast. I think in, you know, in my opinion that rendering performance is a solved problem. It's been a solved problem for for quite a while now. You know, the metrics of, you know, rendering 10,000 nodes and who can run that that fastest is kind of doesn't really make a difference anymore. Like in IE8, that made a difference. But rendering performance, again, it's solved. You know, React is well known to be one of the slowest renders yet. It's widely, widely, not even, no one even comes close to the usage of React. So the performance that it has is pretty darn good. Even though it shows, you know, it's slower than other frameworks of today, it kind of doesn't matter, in my opinion, at this point. So I guess what I'm saying with Quick, and, you know, we have just run-of-the-mill renders kind of perform just as well as, as any other, you know, VDOM framework out there. The big difference is that it doesn't have to render. You know, the old adage of the fastest database call is the one you don't have to make. That's kind of like quick when it comes to rendering. There's a huge chunk of quick that we'll never have to render. You're not even going to download the code to re-render. The performance metrics of like how fast did it render kind of doesn't matter to quick because, well, we didn't do it at all. We didn't have to hydrate the whole app to see what we need to do to optimize it. You don't have to use use memo. Like to use use memo, you need to run the JavaScript to then decide how to make it faster. We just don't run JavaScript is kind of the big difference because we already know from the compiling, from the optimizer of like what's possible to re-render and what's not. One other thing I'd be curious to get your take on, there's an entirely separate framework, has nothing to do with any of this, that Builder is also working on called Mitosis. What is the deal with Mitosis? Mitosis, so that is a way for us to have a subset of JSX to build a component. And so you can write your normal component how you want it to work. You know, a fancy button, when you click the button, it adds to your fancy cart, however that would work. And you can add your styles to it. But then Mitosis would output that same component into any of the frameworks. We just recently got Svelte done. Even SolidJS is done. We're working on quick version, but React, Vue, Angular, they would all be able to output that. Is it a compiler? Yeah, so basically it takes a subset of a React component and outputs it to all the different frameworks. The benefit of that is like if you're using Builder's product, you're able to build an actual component. Like again, like one that you have your own business logic. 
one that does very special custom things that you can create for your marketers and designers. And then marketers and designers can drag that component wherever they want. And then the benefit of that is that now you can have this component run inside of your Next.js app or your Gatsby app or your Astro. It really doesn't matter. It's able to take these custom components and actually put them in your real app rather than building like, let's say like a Wix, right? Like Wix has a drag and drop interface builder, but it's very difficult to take a very large organization and migrate it over to use Wix. It's great up to a certain height. Okay, this is so interesting. I haven't heard anyone even talk about mitosis yet. I think I only discovered it because I was just like looking at the builder GitHub or something, but I can't think of anything else in the space that's even similar to this because it sounds like what you're doing is you're trying to build almost Babel, but instead of Babel that translates things to like the right JavaScript language, like ES 2015, 2016, 2017, it's instead Babel, but for components being understood across different frameworks. Yeah, which basically kind of frees you up that you can run it on your existing infrastructure. So again, say you have a Next.js app and it's a huge Next.js app and it's got many, you know, you have product pages, marketing pages and all these different things. And you want to add in a page that marketers and designers can edit. There are certain tools that can do that today, but like when you want to actually add your own logic to that. So let's again, let's say a marketer wants to have A-B testing on their landing page and they want to change the text and they want to add the add to cart button somewhere else, they can do that without having to contact a developer. The developer made that component, completed it, put it inside a builder, and then the developer did their job where they made the website, maintained the component, but then it's the marketer and designer that can change the content, change it around, A-B testing, colors, fonts, all that stuff. And so it kind of frees up both sides to work on what they're more concerned about. And the big underpinning of all this is mitosis of being able to generate the components for the different frameworks that whatever that site is using. How do you know how to do that? Did that require writing like a specific plugin for each framework or does it all compile to like vanilla JS? You got that to work in every framework. Like how do you actually like achieve that? Because I would imagine that there's like so many differences between all these frameworks and different front end UI libraries. I'd be curious, like how challenging was it to build something that could do that? That starts to get a little over my head. I'm just aware of mitosis and what it can do. You know, Steve and Sammy, Sammy's been working on the most uh, recently on the team, and he can probably talk in depth of, of how it works. I mean, you can even, you know, outputs React Native. But can't do React Native web. I'm sure it could. Wouldn't <laughs> it be the same thing? <laughs> That's a question for Chris. No. Uh, ish. Yes. It depends on the elements. Similar. I would just say just use it Ionic. <laughs> On your opinion, what is the main difference between solid and quick? And where do their futures lie, considering that Ryan is quite a big ally of quick? Yeah, you know, actually, Ryan did somewhat recently mention that he'd like to add resumability into solid. So there's that. If he did that, that would certainly make them more comparable in that sense. And he also, you know, did a lot of work on Marco. And Marco does have resumability, from what I understand. Marco 6, I believe. Yeah, Marco 6. Which isn't out and no one has any idea when it's going to come out. So as far as I know about the, you know, I've never used it. You know, I've just been told this. So there's certainly that. But in the traditional sense, SolidJS is extremely improved React, but it still has the hydration process. It has much faster render, uh, things like that. But at a certain point, it's kind of apples to oranges as far as how they kick in and how they work. A lot of the traditional frameworks, you know, like Svelte, Angular, Vue, you know, all of them are kind of competing to be who can start up the fastest. And they all have the same somewhat process. They have a different DX. They have a different look. But for the most part, they're 
they're largely the same. And we've all been competing about like, yeah, but this component looks nicer than this way of writing it. And that's kind of what we've been arguing about for the last 20 years of like, I like the look of this JavaScript and I like the look of this JavaScript. But to be honest, like the core concepts are the same. That's where, you know, what we feel is how quick actually is different is like, it's it's not how fast we can start it because there is no startup. And we're able to do that by, you know, serializing everything inside of the DOM and only kicking in a listener when you use it. It truly is different comparable to the other frameworks. But what they are doing right would certainly be, and I think React is doing right, is the DX of all of it and how the component works and how the JSX works. JSX is really just a syntax for how to build components with JavaScript. The underline of it, like whether it's VDOM, whether it's something that you know Solid does where it transpiles it down to a you know, faster optimization, that's internals. We can certainly do the same thing that Solid is doing. Right now we're just doing VDOM, but on the surface of it, you know, it's JSX. That's like how to translate this component. And that's what I think what Quick is able to bring is the nice DX of React, but actually something drastically different of how it starts up. This is like my biggest question is, it's like React, but completely different. Solid is like React, but better. What is better? Like React, but better or like React, but completely different? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. The like React is like the components, you know, like how you write it, how it looks, the JSX, how you would do a for loop, you know, everything like that is is very familiar. There wasn't a reinventing of anything in that world. So that's where I think, you know, Solid is, is right there too, is like, it's, it's very, very similar to React. It uses signals, you know, instead of uh, stores and, and how that, how the reactivity is much, much better react you know, built into it. So on the surface, they definitely, the DX is the same. Under the hood, it's entirely different because it can choose not to, it doesn't even choose, it doesn't run until you use something. Now there is prefetching and all that, so it's able to get all the modules that you probably use and we're able to track which ones you're probably going to use. But for the most part, JavaScript isn't needed. I think it's a really interesting moment for sure. Yeah, the entire solid and quick world, it's like I talk to people who, like I'm friends with a handful of people who are now like working on both of these frameworks and people who are very into the frameworks and people who are like very deep into them. And like solid's been around for like four years now. (laughs) So there's like people who get it and just obviously get why it's like the future and get why it's a huge improvement and why it's so much more performant and all this stuff. But then I talk to like 99% of other developers, they've never even heard of these things (laughs) and they don't even have a clue about them. So there's like such a huge education gap with these frameworks and explaining to people how they work and why they're better. But I've really enjoyed getting to learn about them because they've helped me just understand what is a framework even doing? Because, you know, you you learn React these days and you use React and it's just a black box and it works and it does the thing you want to do. But the fact that there's now frameworks that are offering similar benefits to like the DX of React while also saying, hey, like we've completely reworked the internals, so it's going to be better for X, Y, Z reasons. That's really great. But I think people have a hard time wrapping their minds around like, why is this actually better? Because they never really thought about the internals of these frameworks before. Yeah, and I think that's totally fair. Because, you know, a lot of people do start up their computers, start up React, and their app is just great. Loads really fast on their computer, really fast when they do it on their phone. And so they, that's an honest question. It's like, what's the problem? Really, the problem we're trying to solve is like the larger the app, the more components you add, it, it doesn't scale. So there's certainly tricks you can do, you know, lazy loading and all the different things, you know, use memo. Like there's no shortage of like tricks on the Internet of like how to make your React app a little bit faster. But as you add, let's say you've got, a, you know, 100 components on that page, it's going to be slow. It's going to have to load all of that component. It's going to have to re-render the entire tree at some point, no matter what you do. And I think the larger the app, the quicker you're going to see the issues, especially for someone like 
e-commerce where, you know, it really affects the, the bottom line, it affects the conversion rates uh, quite a bit. And especially if, you know, the faster the site, there's plenty of studies out there that show, you know, the, every 100 milliseconds, every whatever milliseconds you shave, the, the more your conversion rates go up. So that's kind of what we're trying to go towards is, is really the, the people that do see this issue. Like if you create a uh, React app, you know, create React app and create a blog, you're not going to see the problem. React is just fine. And, and to be honest, it is just fine at that point. But as it scales, everything you add to it is going to keep adding bloat to it. Whereas with Quick, every component you add, no matter if you have one, a zero, or a hundred, the startup time is going to be identical. And I think that's the big difference here. For massive sites, you're going to see the difference. And that's the ones that, that's really going to matter. And especially for e-commerce or the product page and things like that. I have really one final question to close this out on. It is what I would describe as utopia. PHP, it's Laravel. That's like the final framework. And do you think we will arrive at that sometime soon with JavaScript and meta frameworks? Yeah, we didn't even talk about databases at all in this episode. Well, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, no, I, I go back to that car analogy. We've had car companies for 100 years now, and there's still Ford, Chevy, Toyota, you know, and then even one of, and each of those companies, they have a whole spectrum of, you know, SUVs, trucks, big trucks, uh, race cars, four doors. Yeah, I thought Tesla won. You told me Tesla didn't win? Right, right. You know, Tesla sells, you know, 1% of the car sales. So yeah, I don't, I don't think there really ever will be one true winner in that aspect. And I think that's fine to have those different flavors because they're, they're each going to be good at something. And I think that's fine. It would probably narrow down. There's certainly a thousand different frameworks out there, but there's really, you know, four or five that are, are practical that you would bring to your boss and your boss would say, yes, let's use that one. So I think that's kind of more of the line that would be in is that there's going to be a, a handful of ones that have, I guess, one. And do we have all of the tools in JavaScript today to get these frameworks to maturity? Or do they still need more work? That's a great question. I remember saying like two, three years ago that since ES 2017, I've been very happy. Like since async await and promises working awesome and ES modules, ES modules was a huge step forward. I'm actually quite happy. You know, there's there, every once in a while, it's just like, it'd be nice to have a certain trim feature or something like that. But they're all kind of there. We can argue for years about like what other features we should add, but it's also kind of nice of where we're at. Even uh, since like Node 10, we've been actually quite well. And I guess maybe it's just starting to make me sound like an old man, you know, yelling at the clouds of like, uh, I think we're good. But, you know, since Node 10, it's supporting classes. It's actually been a lot faster since Node 7.5. It's got ES modules natively. So uh, I think that's going to be, it's a behind a feature flag, I think in 14, no, 14, 18 is when ES modules kick in. What's the other big thing I'm waiting for in ES? Oh, fetch. Fetch inside of Node. Yeah, fetch is 18. 18. That's the big the big one I'm waiting on. But really, I don't know. I'm pretty happy with where we're at compared to, you know, I've been developing since, I don't know, since the late 90s. That It's a huge difference. Yeah, we didn't get your how you learned to code story. Actually, you want to give that in like 30 seconds? How I learned to code. Uh, GeoCities and using HTML tags. Um, that's how far back I go. GeoCities, yeah. You're not the first one to say that. You're probably like the second or third person to say that. GeoCities, Notepad, viewing other people's source code and seeing how it works. Then I did, you know, CSS quite a bit. I actually did Photoshop. I was a designer before I did any sort of development. So I did Photoshop work for quite a while. College got a job doing uh, designer work, then got into websites, and then slowly started learning JavaScript. And it's been all, all fun since then. Ever since jQuery, it's been all JavaScript. 
It's a fun time. And hopefully we'll get to the point when we don't need to compile TypeScript anymore. That's just native. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the a thing now, right? It's quick support TypeScript. Absolutely. Yes. If not, Chris <laughs> is not using it, so. It's not tied to TypeScript, but all of our examples are TypeScript. There you go. Hey, all of my examples are TypeScript and Vite now, Anthony. It's the perfect combination. Pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Adam. This is a really awesome episode. It has so many cool things to talk about. I know we've got some other people on your team that are on our schedule as well. So like, thank you to just Builder for like really putting their money where their mouth is and contributing to open source. Like the stuff you're all building is it's just it's incredible. So please let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can find these projects and Builder.io online. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, basically on Twitter quite a bit, Adam D. Bradley on Twitter and uh, continuing to work on our on our GitHub projects at Builder.io. Very nice. I think that's about it for today's episode. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's fun. Yeah, thank you. I would say it's still even in its infancy, infinite, 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 infinite.